Hello, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Podcast, where our desire is to help others find meaning and mission in following Jesus. The Christmas season is here, and last Sunday's message brings a helpful reminder for us all. At our special Christmas celebration service, Pastor Paul brought an encouraging message on God's gift of peace. For every trial we face, there is a promise of peace, but it is only through Jesus Christ that we can receive it. Whether relational peace with others or eternal peace with God, we are reminded this Christmas season that when we come to Jesus, only then can we receive this peace He offers us. That's how it is for me. I feel like, man, we feel the rain coming, then we know it's Christmas time. Other people, they look for snow. For us, it's the rain. And, uh, but man, it's Christmas time. I know the kids are excited. It's good to have the kids in the service today. Uh, but let's take our Bibles. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9 is where we'll start. I'm going to share a lot of verses with you this morning as we uh, talk about the important subject of peace today, the important subject of peace. And uh, I, I'm excited today uh, for other reasons. Uh, one of the reasons I'm excited is because my brother, my older brother is here. Yeah, and is the one who looks kind of like me, but with a much older, longer-looking beard than mine. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad to have him here and all his kids. He's got seven kids. Last I checked, any more? Seven? Okay, you're good. All right. Seven kids. And uh, yeah, the number of perfection, uh, completion, or whatever it is. I don't know. I heard somebody say that, oh, a quiver is seven arrows. And then I heard somebody else say a quiver is how many or ever many you can handle. And uh, so I guess that can be more or less. Um, But I'm glad to have them here. And it's fun to have family for the holidays. I think for the first time we're all together. It's been a long time. It's been many, many years. And not only, I mentioned last week, not only is Christmas a time to get with our family, but for my family, we have a ton of birthdays during the Christmas season. So we have birthdays on the 21st of December, the 23rd, the 25th, the 27th, January the 1st, and then January the 2nd as well. So we have a lot of family birthdays, and it's great to have everyone together for that. And so uh, this weekend was my mother-in-law's birthday and our daughter's birthday. So our daughter's turned 24. Whoop. Okay. And uh, they, and, uh, they turned 24. I'm not sure what number that means in the Bible. I don't know. I don't think it means anything, but uh, they're number 24, and number 24, and then my mother-in-law turned 60 this weekend, uh, yesterday, and so on Friday, we drove all the way to Seattle's where they live, and it took us six hours in the pouring rain and traffic. We got down there. We had an hour to set up this birthday party, and Jeanette had worked so hard at it, we set up the birthday party. Then all these people came. We had the party, and then we had to put everything away and clean it up, get to bed late, and then we had family stuff all day yesterday, and about 7.30, I was like, we got to go, and so 7.30, we left. We got home about 11. And then I got up super early today, uh, like I normally do. And so if I do doze off a little bit during the message, you'll know what's going on. But uh, it's, it's a busy time. Holidays are very, very busy. People get uh, stressed about it. And it's so interesting to me how much effort we put into the Christmas season, how hard we work, how, how much we uh, spend in order to, I, I feel what we, the reason we do it is we're all trying to capture a bit of a feeling, aren't we? We're trying to remember what it was like when we were five years old. You know, and, or that first big Christmas gift. I've shared it with you when I was eight. I got that first pair of rollerblades. I mean, it changed everything for me. And uh, I remember that feeling and just that excitement. And so we go through all of these things to experience the joy of our childhood and the season. And, and today, you know, we want all the good feels, right? That's what we want, we all the good feels and that Michael Buble and that Netflix fire. And we want all of these good things that we can have and we can celebrate and, and enjoy. But the thing that I find about Christmas is that oftentimes we're pursuing this idea of joy we're pursuing this contentedness but often the opposite is what happens 
and we get around our family members, and uh, we get, I'm not saying that because my family's here, but we get around family. Uh, For some of you, it's stressful to be around family. And uh, we get around, uh, uh, or we start to look at our bank account really dwindling very quickly, and we think of all the things that we need to do, and our credit card starts getting swiped, and uh, stress comes along, there's family conflict, seems like if there's going to be a car accident, it's going to be at Christmas time. Uh, You see the debt start to uh, go, and and stress really begins to come, and, and a lot of people get stressed about the holidays. Now, for some of you, you're like, man, it is the most peaceful time for me. But for some people, they get really stressed. They get discouraged, and, and it's difficult. And so today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the answer to stress. I want to talk about the answer to Christmas stress. And to me, what it all comes down to is peace. Peace. So we're going to talk about the subject of peace today, because as humans, we really do desire peace in our lives. How many of you say, Paul, I desire peace in my life? I'm going to put both hands up because I do. I want peace. I want there to be some calm. Now, as parents, the way we equate peace is we say, I just want some peace and quiet in here, right? (laughs) So we equate quiet with peace, and we're like, that's the solution to everything. But the kids would just be quiet for a few minutes. Um, But there's a lot of different elements that bring us peace. And today I want to talk about true peace, lasting peace, peace that passes all understanding. And that is found through Jesus Christ. I took the time this week to Google how to find peace because I was trying to come up with a message, right? So I was looking for some ideas and I Googled how to have peace and there are 1.5 billion results. 1.5 billion results. And I thought, okay, well, let's narrow it down. How to have inner peace. 400 million results for how to have inner peace. So I started clicking on links and reading through it and, and honestly, it was a little bit discouraging. Just within the first page of Google results, what I found was this from medium.com. Finding peace, well-being, and happiness is something that we all want, but it can be a very vexing challenge today, is what it said. And then I went over to uh, uh, psychologytoday.ca, the Canadian version, and it said this, searching for peace of mind and peace is like grasping at smoke. And I was like, this is discouraging. This is how you get started. And uh, of course, then I went to spirithack.com, and I learned there about how I can find peace. Um, But I want to tell you today that there are some ways for us to find guaranteed peace. There are ways for you to find lasting peace. And to me, it's through the message of the Christmas story where God sent his son, uh, prophesied 700 years before, as we see here in Isaiah 9, verse 6, where the prophecy was of God is that his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Say it with me the Prince of Peace. 700 years before Christ was born, he was told that he is going to bring peace to us and not just bring it, he's going to be the Prince of Peace. You have to remember when they announced his birth, the angels, they said glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace, goodwill toward men. If you remember in John chapter 14, Jesus, right before he went back to heaven, this is what he said to his disciples. He said, peace I leave with you. How great is that? Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. And this is so key right here, not as the world giveth. If you can connect that in your mind right now, that the peace that many people are searching for is peace of the world. And Jesus says, I'm not going to give you that kind of peace, the peace that uh, the the unsaved person or the person who does not not know God is searching for. He says, I'm going to give you, Jesus said, I'm going to give you a different kind of peace. It's not fragile. It's not fake. It's real peace. He says, I give, uh, give I unto you. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, the world tries to offer us all kinds of peace, doesn't it? So many. And I'll say this, many of you have spent much of your life seeking after the peace that this world seems to provide for you. Some of you are still seeking that right now. 
You still think that if you just get enough money, if you just work out this relationship, if you just work through this situation, or you get that job or that promotion, you think, man, then everything's going to be fine, and I'm going to finally have peace. But I got to tell you, searching for peace in this world, searching for peace outside of Jesus Christ is not going to bring you the kind of peace that is unexplainable. It's not going to bring you the kind of peace that gives you joy even in the midst of trial. The peace that this world offers is not going to give you peace that boosts your confidence and helps you to face the challenges of life. That is only found in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about that today. And I want to begin uh, with the first verse out of 790 verses in the Bible that deal with peace. Are you ready? We're just going to walk right through all of them. I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to boil it down for you. Some of you just got really stressed right there. You're like, I came to church for peace. Um, but we're going to, uh, we're going to look at 700, no, we're not. We're going to look at a few verses. And, and what I want to do is that, I'll just give this as sort of an overview of what the Bible says about peace. If you're to break it down and you're to categorize it, I found that you can break it down into three different categories. And when it comes to peace, you can find spiritual peace, you can find emotional peace, and you can find relational peace in Jesus Christ. If you were to take all those verses, 790 of them, and do the work and labor through it, you would find that you could break it down into these three basic categories. If you were to put it in another way, you would call it eternal peace, internal peace, and external peace. Say those three with me. Internal or eternal. Oh, I said it wrong. Here, let's do it again. Ready? <laughs> eternal peace, internal peace, and external peace. And we see that as we walk through scripture and what it teaches us about the Bible. So today I want to uh, teach us about God. Today I want to start with talking about eternal peace. So point number one of your notes, if you got your note sheet there, you can write it in. Let's talk about eternal peace that comes from Jesus Christ. The first thing that Jesus did, or the, one of the reasons that he came to this earth to accomplish, was to restore peace between mankind and God. That is why Jesus came, was to restore peace between mankind and God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's a great message in a line right there. If you are in Jesus Christ, if he is your Savior, he can totally transform your heart. He can totally transform your mind and your life. So if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. How many of you have some old things in your life that you need to get out of your life? I do. There's some things, and that is found in Christ. So old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And then verse number 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. We have a reconciliation. We have a peace with God because and through Jesus Christ. You say, well, why do we need peace with God? Well, we need peace with God because as fallen men, we are by nature rebellious against God. We, uh, we want to control our lives, don't we? We want to know what, uh, 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 we, we want to make the decisions, and, and really our life is a battle of our will versus God's will. And we want to make, make up our own rules. We want to be the master of our own lives. Uh, we see this from children at an early age. You don't have to have a child for very long to recognize the rebellious spirit uh, that is found. He's just got a bloody nose. It's okay. Uh, yeah. It's the high altitude up here in Canada. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, you don't have to be. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to be a parent for very long to see that in your children uh, there is a rebellious spirit and a rebellious heart, and we are born that way, and it continues all throughout life where we rebel against God. But the thing is, is that when you rebel against God, what you are doing is you're trying to pretend to be God. And when you try to be God, you are disobeying God. And when you ignore what he says and you rebel against his word, what happens is that you then become in conflict with God. 
The book of James chapter 4 verse 4 starts out very strongly where it says ye adulterers and adulteresses. And we're like, wait a minute, don't call me that. <laughs> we resist that. But he's making a very, very strong point. Ye adulterers and ye adulteresses, he says, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. That's conflict. That's going against God. Then he says, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now think about that for a minute. He says that if we pursue the things of this world and we don't have this relationship with God, we are literally the enemy of God. We are in conflict with him. And so what happens is that because we then are friends with the world, we live in rebellion against God, we are disconnected from him. And that's why for so many people, they say, I feel so far away from God. I'm so far away from God. Well, the reason is that your sins, as scripture tells us, our sin, our iniquity, iniquity is what separates us and causes that separation from God. And so all of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, we are separated from him. But that's where Jesus steps in. And that's where the Christmas story is so amazing because Jesus stepped in. It made it possible for us to have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 tells us, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Say it with me. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Underline or circle that word through right there. We have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. And we, we have peace with him not because of what we do. There's nothing that you can do. There is no amount of good you can do. There's no amount of prayers you can say that will repair a relationship between you and God. The only thing that is necessary was that, some, that there would be a sacrifice made on your behalf to pay the penalty for your sins. And that's what we see in Jesus. In verse number 10 of the same chapter, it says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, a lot of religions over, uh, over the course of, of, of mankind's history have had what they call a peace offering. Uh, an offering that they would make, and of course we've heard of some of the extreme ones, you know, sacrifice a virgin, you know, to, to go to heaven. Uh, but many cultures throughout, uh, uh, throughout the world have sacrificed, you know, fruit or food or, or different things, an animal, in order to bring peace with God. But with God, you have to understand, the true God, there is no peace offering that we could do that can make amends. That is why Jesus came to this earth. Why, that's why God sent his son to this earth to die on a cross for him to be the ultimate peace offering between mankind and God. Hebrews says it this way in verse uh, chapter 7. It says, For such an high priest became us uh, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, then for the people. But this he did, say that word, once that's talking about jesus that sacrifice that he made on the cross it was made once and for all when he offered up himself and jesus paid that peace offering when he came to this earth as an innocent baby and it was for the specific purpose to die for you and for me he was born to die you remember the story when the wise men came to see him we talked about that a little bit on on wednesday and last week but remember when they came and those wise men came and they brought to Jesus, remember those gifts that they brought him, right? They brought him gifts of, uh, of uh, you know, Graco, Fisher Price, and Lego. You remember that? When they brought those gifts to him? <laughs> no, they didn't bring that. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now myrrh is, is an interesting gift to give to a baby because it's connected directly to death. It's an embalming <laughs> fluid. And, and, and while we may not understand all of the reasons that they chose it, what we certainly see is the picture of this baby that was born and his ultimate death. And he was born to die for the express reason 
to give us peace with God. And Jesus came to this earth to give us eternal peace. What that means is that he gave us peace that is outside of this world, outside of this life. We are all flesh. We are all going to die one day. But your soul is going to live forever somewhere. And Jesus came to give you that peace that you can know. Know for sure. He says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundant. And he says, I have come that you may know, that you may know eternal life, that you have eternal life. And so Jesus came to give us that peace that is lasting outside of this world, and it's only found in him. But Jesus also came to give us internal peace. He came to give us eternal peace for a life, but he also came to give us internal peace. This is uh, what I would call emotional peace, or just uh, inward peace, or the peace of God. He came to give us peace with God, but he also came to give us the peace of God. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15, it tells us, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. If you're a saved person and you have peace with God, then you are going to have access to the peace of God that can rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. See, this is a peace that is within you. It is eternal. Now, the, does anybody know the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom. Shalom, that's right. That is the word that you hear a lot and, and people use it uh, quite a bit, of course. But it's not just talking about the end of hostilities or it's not just a greeting. I found it so interesting. The word shalom has all of these meanings to it. Shalom means completeness. It means soundness. Uh, it means uh, welfare, uh, completeness in number, safety, soundness in body, uh, uh, soundness of welfare as well. It talks about health, prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment. Man, that sounds great, doesn't it? All of those words, I'm like, I need that, I need that, I need that, I need that, check, check, check. You know, I want all of those things. That's the kind of peace that we can find in Jesus Christ. Now, can I, I want to tell you something. This right here, this list, this is what the world is seeking. This is what the people at your work are looking for. This is what your family members that don't know Christ, they are pursuing this. They want that completeness. They want to be whole. They want to have uh, things, uh, they want to have quiet and tranquility. They want this peace and they pursue uh, after it with all of their heart. But the thing is, is that this peace of God is there for us and it's accessible to us. It's so interesting. If you look at scripture, you can take all of the problems that you have and you can find a corresponding peace of God that goes along with that problem. It's really great. It's really great. So if you were to look through scripture and you were to talk about or to look for verses that deal with your, inse your insecurities, we all have insecurities. Guess what you'd find? There's security in Christ. If you were to look up your anxiety and look for verses about anxiety, you'd find that uh, God can give you the peace that you need to cast all your care upon him. If there's financial concerns, there's, peace, uh, there's, there's his promises of provision. If you're discontent, you can learn contentment in Jesus Christ. If you have shame, you can find his forgiving peace. If you uh, are worried, you can find his confidence giving peace. If you're confused, he can give you guiding peace to direct you in life and to show you where you need to go. And there are literally hundreds of different kinds of peace that God offers to those that are peace with him. And once you have peace with him, you have the ability of his peace. When you have the eternal, you then have the internal. And if you don't get anything else today, write this down. God has a peace for every problem. God has a peace for every problem that may come your way. And so once we know the eternal peace, connection with God, a relationship with him, we then can have internal peace, internal peace that allows us to walk through life in a clear-headed way. But then thirdly, I want you to notice that we can also then have external peace or peace with others or relational peace. How many of you would say, 
Okay, we won't say right now, but it, there's been a time in your life where you needed relational peace. Husbands should have their hands up first, I think. We need, <laughs> there's been a time in your life where you needed relational peace. It, it's so unfortunate to me that we live in a society that thrives on revenge. Have you ever noticed that? We, we, it, thri- it thrives on revenge. Whether it's a good, and now I'll say good, understand my heart, a good revenge movie. I mean, we all kind of like that story, right? That guy was, you know, bullied and he came back and killed everyone. No, no, that's not a, I'm just joking. You know what I'm talking about, a good revenge movie. You know, I mean, those are, those are the movies that are top of the box office, aren't they? Oh man, this guy revenged his, his wife's killer or whatever it may be. And everybody's like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, maybe, uh, I know there's a lot of stuff online, definitely, a revenge post you know, to get back at somebody who hurt you or, or uh, in, in, the, in the circle of politics, everybody loves a good jab, you know, at the other person. And, and we see that all of the time. But we, we live in a culture that enjoys self-vindication. And it even comes up in the ads that we see online. You guys know what clickbait is, right? Have you ever seen that one? Uh, that one, I've seen it before. You'll never guess what she did when she found out her boyfriend was cheating, you know. And I'm like, hover, oh, no, I'm not going to click on that, you know. <laughs> because why? I want to see the revenge. I want to know what she did. How did she get him back? And, and I mean, you guys remember that show from like the early 2000s, Cheaters? You remember that? And they would confront people who were doing these terrible things. And, and that was so super popular and everybody loved that kind of stuff. Why do you think Jerry Springer is still on the air after 24 years? Or maybe he's not on the air anymore. I don't know. I mean, it's people, you see them fight each other right in front. Yeah, get revenge. And it's such a twisted society that we live in, isn't it? It's such a twisted place. I could keep going. But here's the thing, guys, is that sadly that same revenge attitude finds its way into the Christian's heart. It finds its way into the Christian's homes, in our marriages, in our interpersonal relationships. Sadly, it can even find its way into a church family where there's little factions and people trying to do things. We would never call it revenge, but vindication. I'm going to make, I'm going to set the record straight by this uh, thing that I'm doing. And the problem, or the, 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 not the problem, it is a big problem. But the thing I want you to know is that God has so much more for us. God has so much more for us than living down in the mud of revenge and self-justification. Because the closer that we get to God, the more we live in his peace. And the more that we live in his peace, there is a natural outflow of peace and connection with other people. That's God's desire for us. In Galatians chapter uh, 3, down at the end of the verse, well, beginning it says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And so you can be a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what equates a child of God, that you are in faith in Jesus Christ. It says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Then he says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek. So he covers everyone at that point. Now, this is a cultural uh, time, obviously. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, he's not erasing gender. He's not erasing, uh, uh, he's not erasing uh, um, um, the situations or, or laws or things that are in place. What he's trying to get across here to the Jews specifically here is that, listen, the, the, unbelie- or the, the non-Jew who gets saved, which that's me, who accepts Christ, Listen, you are one in Jesus Christ. Christ is what unifies us. And that's why in Ephesians it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of peace. And you say, well, how do I actually have peace then with others? Well, here's here's how it starts. We can begin to have peace with others when the peace of God, or the peace with God that gives us the peace of God 
what that does for you is that it actually gives you then the faith, it gives you the faith to live in peace and harmony with others. You know, when it comes to this place of peace that we've been talking about, uh, what I want you to understand, first of all, I, I, I broke my message into two three-point messages. Sound good? Point number one, here's where it comes down to. How do we get this peace? How do we access this peace and move into this position of peace with God? Number one, you just simply need to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You can write that down there in your notes. You need to come to Jesus. The first step to moving into that position of peace with God is by accepting his offer of peace. Matthew chapter number 11 and verse number 28, what it tells us is this. Jesus said, come unto me. He's talking about himself. Jesus said with all the authority that he was God himself, he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God offers us peace in him. You know, as I read that verse, one of the things that always pops into my mind are the words labor and heavy laden as I read it. Because sometimes I feel like I'm just laboring and I'm heavy laden. I got a burden on my back. I'm carrying a lot of weight. And so many people today feel that way. Many of you right now in your life, you feel like you are carrying a weight that you simply cannot overcome. And that weight that you're carrying is a burden that leaves you completely dissatisfied. You're constantly living in anxiety. You're constantly living in fear. And, and to us here at church today, you may walk in and nobody has a clue. Nobody has an idea that you're feeling that way. Nobody knows the struggle that you're going through. But the truth is, is that you've been trying to win at life yourself. You've been trying to make it happen. You've been trying to do everything you can, but you're still unhappy. You still do not have peace in your heart. And the answer to that peace is not going to be found in more money. It's not going to be found in a better financial plan. It's not going to be found uh, in a, a pill to help you sleep. It's only found in a person that is Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not have peace with God, would you not resist him today, but would you turn to him? He says, come unto me. And would you accept from God the free gift of peace through Jesus Christ? Would you stop running to all sorts of other things? Would you stop running to the things of this world or to an idea of faith or to even your upbringing, whatever it may be? We turn to these things and we trust them for peace. Would you stop turning to them and would you turn completely to Jesus Christ? That is the first step to peace, is simply coming to Jesus. But the second step that we see is connect with Jesus. Now, this one is definitely, I believe, uh, uh, for those of you that know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So you already have peace with God, and now you're trying to get that peace of God. And, and here's the thing. Once you've come to Jesus... We've got to make connection with him a priority. We've got to make connection with God a priority. Jesus said it this way in that same passage. Remember that first verse? He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he said this in verse 29. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. That's that peace that he's talking about. For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. What is Jesus saying here? What he's saying is he's giving to us the answer to peace, the peace that you are really desiring in your life. And what he is saying is that you will find peace when you allow Jesus to actually be a part of your life. Did you see that there in the passage? That's why he says here, take my yoke upon you. 
what Jesus is saying here is he's trying to connect to us the idea of partnership with God, a close connection with the Lord. See, for us, we carry these loads in life, and we have so much that we're, that we're burdened with and we're carrying, and the fact is, is that we're trying to do it on our own. We're trying to do it in our own strength. We're trying to do it in our own wisdom, and Jesus is saying to us, rather than just continuing to struggle, rather than just, uh, just plodding along on your own, carrying the weight of your past or, or, or the future or the sin that you have right now, the weights of relationships and finances, what he's saying to you is simply, hey, put that load on me and let me help you carry it. Now, you guys understand the idea of a yoke, right? Isn't this a great photo? I feel like this one in the front is just looking into my soul. Every time I look at a picture, so you guys look, I'm going to look this direction. He's like, get me out of here. Uh, <laughs> but the idea of, of a yoke, two oxen yoked together, that's that wooden beam that's going across the top and connected to them. That's called a yoke if you're unfamiliar with it. What I find so interesting is that when you put two oxen together or even horses together, that typically a yoke of oxen together can pull three times the amount that a single ox could pull on their own. Now you would think logically, okay, you hook two up, we can do double the weight. But no, if you put two together, they can do three times the amount of weight. And, and this is what I want you to get. When you give your burdens to Christ, he helps you get a lot farther than you ever would on your own. <laughs> And he says, take my yoke, get in, get in step with me. Jesus is the one looking into your soul on the left there, you know. <laughs> he's that ox. And he's saying, I want you to come alongside of me. I want you to get in here with me. Stop trying to do it on your own. But in order to make that happen, you've got to connect up with Jesus Christ. See, God loves us. Did you know that? <laughs> he loves us. He cares for us. And he wants to bring us peace. And we think the answer to finding peace in life is just escape from everything that we have around us. But in fact, God says, just put me in charge. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See, the, the fact of life is this. You are going to be yoked to something. You're going to be yoked to something. You're going to be yoked to the expectations of other people. And you're going to live your life always trying to fulfill the expectations of, of, of a parent or a family member or a boss or, or a spouse or, or even your own kids sometimes. Parents, we, we do that. We try to live up to this expectation that our kids place upon us or, or we think that they place upon us. And you're going to live yoked to something. But there's a better way, and the better way is, is yoking up, getting connected with Jesus Christ, and that then will give you internal peace that is recognized uh, through our peace with God. And I want to encourage you with that today. Sometimes we just, we just go along and we often say this, I just don't want to bother God. How, how, I mean, we do say that. I've said it through my actions. Some of you have maybe said it out loud. Oh, God doesn't need to be bothered with this. He says, please, come, come. <laughs> come alongside of me and I will give you rest. Get in, in line with me. Get in this yoke and, uh, and, and you'll be able to do so much more and you'll find that peace by connecting up with Jesus Christ. But thirdly, and I think this is really an, an integral aspect, though, you got to come to Jesus, you need to connect with him, but then you need to change through him. Change through Jesus. Now, we don't like talking about change, because that means change. <laughs> change means change. And, uh, but the fact is, is that if we're going to truly connect to Christ, inevitably there's going to be a moment in your life where God is going to say, okay, I'm going to help you out, I'm going to be here with you, I'm going to help you carry your burdens. But listen, this, this thing right here, this part of your life, this uh, insecurity, this, uh, th this uh, rebellion heart, the rebellious heart, this sin in your life, something's going to have to change if you're going to continue with him. You know, if, you, if, if you stay in the theme of the yoke of oxen, it's interesting. When they're training a young ox, 
don't know if there's another name for it, a baby ox. <laughs> if they're trying to train, uh, train one in, in order to bring it up and, and to be you know, beneficial to the farmer, whoever it is, what they do is they hook up a seasoned veteran ox. <laughs> he's got many years under his belt. Lots of, <laughs> you know, he's done a lot of things. And they take the, the young one, the untrained one, and they put it in the same yoke with the seasoned one. And what's the purpose of that? Well, the purpose is so that as that seasoned ox knows what to do, knows the commands, knows where to go, knows how to listen, it doesn't matter if this little baby ox is going crazy over there and trying to get out of the yoke. It doesn't matter because the, the season is just going to keep on going. And what happens? Over time, the young ox learns what to do. The young one understands them, begins to learn instruction, begins to learn uh, the, the, the way that they should be. And the fact is that if an ox is, they're trying to train it and it doesn't, it doesn't want to obey. It doesn't want to listen. It's constantly a rebellious little ox. <laughs> Guess what's going to happen? There, it's going to be put out to pasture and possibly into this truck that drives to a place that no cow ever wants to talk about. <laughs> now, what I'm not saying today, <laughs> uh, it, you understand what I'm not saying. But the, the point I'm trying to get across is that if it doesn't learn, it won't fulfill its purpose. It won't fulfill its purpose. And when we get to the place where we as Christians learn to connect into God's plan for us, there are going to be some adjustments that have to be made. And unless we're willing to let God show us what those adjustments are, and unless we're willing to make the changes that he wants us to do, then we're going to miss out on finding and fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. You will miss out on it. Maybe some of you had the same experience as me, but I, I remember when I was in college, um, there were some classes where I would go to the introductory lesson. You know, like you have your college class and it's the, you know, first week of school and you go and you sit down, and you got everybody there and you got your books and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And then the teacher gets up and they give you a syllabus. At least that's what they called it when I was in school, a syllabus. And they say, this is the requirements of the course and this is what I'm going to do. And they usually tell them stories about themselves. And they're like, all right, next week we start, off we go. And I was just like totally confused. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only, I'm the only one. That's okay. Uh, I was totally confused. I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know what they want. Now, the old me, I learned this very early on. In my first year of school, what I would do is I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask. I would just try to, I think this is what they want to do, and so I would do it. And guess what happened? Failure. <laughs> Failure. I would struggle. I'd have a hard time. And the reason was because I was trying to fulfill the requirements of a class on my own without actually knowing. And so what I learned to do is that if I was ever in a class and I didn't fully understand what they wanted me to do, I would go to the professor and i say, listen, I appreciate all the time and work that you put into this uh, syllabus for me, but I don't know what you want. Tell me what you want. What do I have to do? This is what Jeanette would do. She would go and say, what do I have to do to get an A? <laughs> I want an A plus plus. I want 100. What do I have to do? And then if I would sit and talk with them, they would explain to me, okay, if you do this, and I'd be writing and circling, okay, I understand. I understand the fulfillment of this course. I understand what I got to do if I want to experience uh, a, a good grade and make my family proud and, and all of that. And, and here's the thing. I changed my approach, and it made things way better. Rather than just going through school trying to figure it out, barely passing, struggling the whole way. It's like, oh, I'm so frustrated. It's so difficult. I'm, I'm studying way more than I need to because I'm trying to do something in the wrong way. You understand what I'm saying? This is what we do in the Christian life. And we try to live life our own way. We try to figure out, well, I think God wants this and I'm going to just do this. And so we struggle and we pursue and we go. But what needs to happen is that we need to stop guessing. You need to stop imposing your own ideas on God's plan for your life. And you just need to go to the teacher you need to go to God, you need to go to his word, and you just need to say, what do I need to do? And then actually listen and actually pay attention. And when that happens, God is going to change you. I promise you that. 
If you get in the word, he is going to change you. He is going to conform you to the image of his son. There's going to think things that are going to be brought up that you're like, oh, I didn't even know I needed to change that. I didn't know I needed to forgive for that. I didn't know that I needed to release that. And God will show you those things as we come to him for change. Now, what things should we change? We'll look at Matthew chapter 11 again, this passage. What it means is coming alongside God and trying to be like him. And so what does he say? He says, take my yoke upon you and, then, and learn of me. Why is he learning of me? Or what, what should we learn of him? For I am, say that word, meek and what? Lowly. I am meek and lowly in heart. Now, if I was writing the Bible, which thankfully I'm not, but if I was writing the Bible, I would say, come on to me and I'll give you strength and endurance and leaping ability. That's, you know, that's, that's what I want, right? I'll be able to dunk better. <laughs> oh, you guys, help me. Uh, that's what I would say. I want energy and strength and you're going you know, to do these amazing things. But God says, learn how to be meek. Learn how to be lowly in heart. What's he saying? He's saying this. If you want peace, connect with me and connect to me. But you're going to have to change your heart a little bit. Follow my example and learn to be meek. That's strength that is under control. Meek is, meekness is not weakness. We've said that before. Meekness is strength. Jesus is the ultimate example of meekness because he had all the power of God in himself and yet he humbled himself. He veiled his glory in order to come to this earth. And, and he's the ultimate example of strength that was under control. He never said a wrong word. He never uh, did a wrong miracle. <laughs> He, he never shot lightning bolts by accident, you know? We always think like, whoa, sorry guys, it, uh, you didn't see that change your memory, you know? <laughs> That's not how God was. There were no accidents with God. He was always right. He was always true. And, and for us, we cannot hope to attain that, that beauty of meekness that Christ showed. But he still says you need to be a meek person. You need to be lowly. You need to be humble. The word for lowly means not far off the ground. It means, I mean, in a, in a position of humility before God. And if you've been a Christian for any length of a time, you know that humility is where it's at in the Christian life. Humility is where God teaches you the most about yourself. And, and these two character traits are so important because our world tells you the most important character traits are aggression and arrogance. That's what the world, world tells us. You got to be aggressive. You got to get your own. You got to get some. You got to pursue it. If, it, if people get trampled on and, and there's a mess in your wake, who cares? You got to get your own thing. You got to take care of yourself. And that's the idea of aggression and then as well arrogance. <laughs> you, you need to be the one in control. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't listen to your faith. Don't listen to uh, anything else. You got you to make sure that everything is done the way you want it to be done. And aggression and arrogance. But then Jesus says meekness and lowliness, humility. Jesus says trade your arrogance, trade your aggression for my meekness and for my humility. And I'll tell you what, when you do that, you will watch God do something in your life that you never thought possible. <laughs> he will change you in ways that you can't even imagine. If you continue in your own way, you will never have peace. But if you pursue Jesus, if you pursue the mind of Christ, you'll experience what Isaiah tells us, that thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusted in thee. You cannot trust in God unless you humble yourself before God. You cannot trust him fully without humility. And a humble heart is a trusting heart. But a trusting heart does not come easy. It takes a lot of work, doesn't it? It takes the willingness to remove ourselves from the equation. It takes some change. But I want to tell you this this morning. When we change, you can experience a special peace that only Jesus Christ can bring. And with that peace comes joy 
And with that joy comes confidence. There are so many things connected to the peace of God that comes to us when we have peace with God. We hope today's message was an encouragement in your relationship with Christ. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Bang City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue His will for your life.